Well, well, what is up, everyone? So good to have you here. Hey, my name is Pastor Susie, and I have the honor, honor and privilege to be the preaching pastor here at God Squad Church. And hey, if you're watching this live during one of our services, go ahead and spam some hearts in the chat, but I also want to welcome those that are watching our VODs via YouTube on Twitch. But also, hey, special shout out to our podcast listeners. Recently, we found out that our Google Podcast listens have been going through the roof, and sincerely want to welcome all of you. Appreciate you being a part of God Squad Church. Hope you guys will be blessed by our message today. Friends, some of you guys might not know, but here at God Squad Church, we have a vision statement. It's very simple. Gamers winning together. That's our vision statement. And obviously, it's no secret that, hey, you know, we love gamers. We are gamers. We love all people. But our church is obviously targeting people that watch Twitch, YouTube, and mostly the gaming culture. And we really believe that God's ultimate desire is for all of us to be winning together. Now, I want to define what that means for you because no, Jesus's ultimate goal for you to win doesn't mean that we're going to be rich, doesn't mean that life's going to be perfect, but I believe that God has given us the ultimate win by knowing Jesus, by having a relationship with him, the forgiveness of our sins and eternity in heaven, and that God ultimately wants you to have a relationship with him. But I also believe that God doesn't just want you to have healthy relationship with him, he wants you to have healthy relationship with one another. And it's so important. That's why it's gamers winning together. Faith is not meant to be a single player game. It's meant to be a multiplayer. And today I wanna to bring a really, really practical message talking about relationships. And I don't just mean romantic relationships, but I mean every relationship that you have in your life. No matter what kind of gamer you are, maybe you don't even play video games, we all have one thing in common. All of us, I'm looking at the chat and I'm looking at all these people that all of you have relationships. And here's the deal. God wants you to win in your relationships. But if we'll be honest, and this has happened in my life, you might have some relationships that you know that not every moment feels like a win. Sometimes there's tension. Sometimes there's difficulty. You might be thinking of a few people at the top of your head where maybe the whole relationship as a whole doesn't feel like a win. And sometimes you wonder, like, are there more cons than pros? And it can be for any little thing. Maybe you've gotten into a little tiff about, you know, wondering, hey, what's better, AMD or Intel? And you and a friend are arguing, you know, what's better, a console or PC? And there's some, you know, some small joking arguments. But there are obviously some real times where, hey, man, there's some serious tension. Maybe it's between you and a loved one for some things that have happened to you when you were young and you were a child. Maybe it's a romantic relationship that really went super south, whatever it might be, all of us have relationships that I would call having bad blood. We all have relationships that have bad blood, tension, difficulty, whether large or small. And I wanna talk about relationships today, but I wanna talk specifically from the angle of relationships that have tension. There are relationships in your life that have bad blood, but here's the question. With relationships that have bad blood, when should you be seeking to resolve that relationship? And when should you be seeking to remove that relationship? So I promise you, if you've interacted with another human being ever in your life, today's message is for you. <laughs> if you've ever had a moment where you've got some bad blood and looking to navigate through that situation, I wanna encourage you to sit back and listen to this message because I believe that God wants to help you win in your relationships. I wanna to start today off by reading a passage to you from Romans 12, 14 to 21. It's gonna be up on the screen. If you don't own a Bible, I wanna encourage you to get one. You can get the Version Bible app for free, bible.com, but maybe you've never been to church in your life. I wanna encourage you, we're so glad you're here. It's gonna be on the screen for you. And I wanna read several verses to you 
that are really going to break down this principle of how to navigate through relationships with bad blood. It starts in Romans chapter 12, verse 14. I want to read the whole passage to us, and I want to spend the remainder of our time breaking it down. Starting in verse 14, it reads like this, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And what I want to do is I want to break down that entire passage and it really help us to understand what to do with the relationships that have bad blood. Now, one of the things that is so imperative for you to do when reading and studying the Bible as a whole is to understand what's called context. And context essentially revolves around the idea of, one, who is writing it? In this case, it's Paul. Who is he writing it to? And why is he writing it? What's the purpose, the goal, the setting of what's taking place here? And what I want you to understand about this passage is that you cannot understand what Paul is truly trying to communicate if you do not understand first who Paul is talking to. And Paul defines in this passage, and I want to define for you, that in the first few verses we read, verses 14 to 16, Paul is defining that he's talking to people inside the church about how they should behave with the relationships with other people who are also inside the church. But you will not understand this, proper, this story properly if you don't understand that in verses 17 to 21, Paul is defining that he's still speaking to people inside the church, but he's talking about how we should handle relationships with those people who maybe don't go to church, maybe are not a part of the family of God. And we love and respect them, but it's important to understand the context in defining who's who, what's the context, and what's the goal. And the first thing I want to talk about today in terms of relationships, if you want to have relational health, you need to do a relational audit. And I want to talk to you first about relationships to redefine. You might have many, many, many different relationships in your life, but it's important, just like Paul is doing in this passage, to understand what is the purpose of every goal in a relationship that I have. And I don't mean that some are platonic and some are romantic. I mean, every relationship is different and not just because people are different and personalities are different. And I connect with this person and interest interest is there, but it's this interest is not there. No, I'm talking about different goals for different relationships. To help you understand this, I wanna break down a principle that I use in my life that I really feel like God communicated to me several years ago is really breaking down relationships into three categories mentor relationships, mentee relationships, and mutual relationships. I wanna explain first the mentor relationship. This is very, very commonly understood as the person who is in this relationship, their role is to mentor the other person. There may be a parent, and it's very, very clear of what that role is, is that I am giving to the child what I know, the knowledge, the expertise that I have, the life experience. I am giving the other person something. And the purpose and goal of this relationship 
is for the mentor to feed into the other person. It's very clear. But if you do not properly define your relationships, I promise you relationships will end in bad blood. Let me give you an example. Some of you guys know that I like to play video games with some people. And in the gaming world, this mentor relationship might be better understood as getting carried, okay? Some of you guys have seen me play some video games. And from time to time, I'm playing with someone who's clearly a better player than I am. Some of you guys see me getting carried on the regular by the Matty Ice, but you might not know his brother, Higgs FPS. Now, Higgs is probably one of the best Fortnite players I've actually ever seen. Like, not only that I know in real life, but that I've actually ever seen on Twitch. He's fantastic. And Susie, you might, you might be saying Susie, but I, I don't really see him on your stream because I'm not on his level. <laughs> He's in a whole nother league. And it is very, very clear that in our relationship, Higgs does the carrying and I just sneak up in that backpack. You know what I'm saying? It's very, very clear. But in relationships, in a mentor relationship, bad blood begins to occur when I don't understand the purpose and goal of our relationship. If there was a moment where a Fortnite tournament's coming around the corner and I would have called up Higgs SPF and be like, hey, dude, there's a tournament coming around the corner, 100 grand on the line. Do you want to be my partner? We might run into some bad blood because respectfully and kindly, he's going to turn down my offer because he's already got another partner who's much better than I am. But my feelings are hurt and I've got bad blood now. If I haven't properly identified the relationship that Higgs, you have a lot to offer me, but I don't have a lot to offer you as a player. In every relationship that you engage in, you will fall in one of these three categories. The first is the mentor. The second is the mentee, where now I am the one who's being mentored. I'm the one who's being mentored. And if you don't understand the bounds and the purpose of the goal of that relationship, things get difficult because, again, I might have someone who loves, loves pouring into me. Maybe we go to coffee once a week and they, they give me life advice about relationships and Maybe I just got married and someone else has been married 20 years and, and they love to be able to help me win in my marriage. But the reality is I might not have too much marriage advice to be able to give them. They might be able to learn a thing or two, but it's very clear that I'm the mentee and they're the mentor and we might get together to hang out, but I might call that person on a Friday night. Be like, hey man, I'm free. You want to chill? And you might say, I'm sorry, I'm going out with some friends. And I might be frustrated and upset and hurt and some bad blood might take place because I'm expecting to get something out of this relationship that the purpose of this relationship was never intended to give. I'm intended to learn from. I, I, I'm the mentee. But the relationship has a goal and it has a purpose. And when I don't understand the purpose of that relationship, I can get hurt, not because he did anything to hurt me, but because the relationship wasn't properly Defined. You might be going to someone that you mentor and you might be looking for some validation or encouragement, or you might be looking for that person to give to you and you're growing frustrated with that person because they aren't giving you something that they're not capable of being able to give you. And this is why in all relationships, just like Paul defines here who he's talking to, you need to define your relationships. And the third one is one that everybody needs. First, there's a mentor relationship, the mentee. 
but then the mutual relationship. These are relationships where really both of you are more on the same page. In most cases, not all, you might be around the same age. You might be around the same financial status. You might be around the same marriage length where you're both relatively newlyweds, so you've both been married for a long time. You might both be parents, and there's exceptions to the rule, but there needs to be a mutual benefit for both parties. Because if all you do is mentor everyone else around you, who's pouring into you? And now you have bad blood with everyone else because they're not giving you something in which they're not capable to give you. You need mutual relationships in your life to be able to stay healthy and to stay happy. But you don't just need mutual relationships. You need defined relationships. You need to be able to clearly define what is the purpose of this relationship and what is not the purpose of this relationship. Because I promise you, if you don't and you start confusing things, and I start expecting Higgs to always pick me as his dual partner, I'm only going to be left with bad blood. And I believe the first thing that we see just from the context here is you need to understand the context of the scripture, but you also need to understand the context of your relationships. The next thing I want to talk about is relationships to resolve. This is the difficult thing for us to do of answering that question of when do I know when a relationship should be resolved or when a relationship should be removed. And I want to read to you, starting at verse 14 again, very, very simple. Bless those who persecute you and do not curse. Understanding the context, again, is so important because you understand that, like I told you, in verse 14, Paul is beginning to specifically address how Christians should handle their relationships with other Christians. And so when you understand that context, at first you might be confused by this statement saying, whoa, 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 whoa. So Paul, you're telling me how I should handle relationships with other Christians, but then you're talking about those who persecute me. But come on, I can't be persecuted or hurt or frustrated by someone who also goes to church. It can't happen. I can't have bad blood with someone who's also a part of the family of God. Some of you might be able to catch my sarcasm because ultimately, of course we can. And Jesus taught many times about how to handle those outside the church that persecute you. But how do you handle those inside the church who hurt you? A very, very important principle we understand is the Bible calls the church the family of God. The family of God. He uses terminology like we're brothers and sisters in Christ. There is a family mentality there, which means there should also be a committed mentality there. But unfortunately, what happens in church is people get upset with one another and they just start removing relationships. Well, that person said something frustrating. That person is just annoying. So I'm just going to remove them. And the reality is that some relationships, yes, should be removed. But oftentimes, especially when it comes to the family of God, God's desire is for you to resolve. And what happens in our age today is we've grown very impatient with one another, especially when you get into a large community that all of a sudden someone does something to frustrate you because we're all broken, imperfect people. And instead of having a family mentality where we're committed and we work through things and we try to resolve we simply resort to remove. Especially as gamers, it's so easy. 
Because for gamers, we're used to having a block button. Very, very simple. Oh, well, he said one thing I didn't like. Block. Well, you know, his, his mic kind of sucks. Block. And we just blocking people left and right. Left and right. Now, again, I'm not saying that you should never block someone. But I'm also saying that you shouldn't always block someone. I really believe that there are moments in our church where people are blocking each other left and right. But Paul was teaching us when interacting with other people inside the church, man, don't be so quick to block. Be quick to bless. Verse 14, again, he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. But here's what happens in the church sometimes. If we're really being honest, we tend to flip it around. The Bible calls us to rejoice and be happy with those that have, are happy, having good things going on, but also to be sad with those that are going through difficult moments. But when we find ourselves in relationships that have bad blood, maybe you've done it, I've done it, we turn them around where you start rejoicing because others are mourning. And you start mourning because others are rejoicing. Let me explain to you what I mean. You might have someone that you've got some bad blood with. And someone, something bad just happened to them. Oh, wait, did you hear that guy just lost his job? <laughs> That's what he gets for doing that thing to me that he did that one time. Doesn't you know the Bible says you reap what you sow? And you start rejoicing when others are mourning because you've got bad blood. On the other end of the spectrum, you might have someone that you're frustrated with and they start winning in an area of life. They just got a promotion. They just got married. And all you can do is mourn and be upset because you're not experiencing the same win because there's bad blood. And what Paul is teaching here is saying, don't rejoice at those who mourn and don't mourn with those that rejoice. Rejoice with your brothers and sisters who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Don't allow the tension. Don't allow the bad blood to twist it around. Verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. I love this term harmony because some of you guys might not know, but I've been a musician for a very long time. And so I love music and I love Paul's use of the word harmony here. Now, if you don't know too much about music, you might not know that you really need harmony to be able to make a chord. Chords are broken up of many parts. I won't get too complicated, but there's multiple strings on this guitar. And within that E chord that I'm playing, there is harmony. The notes are working in tandem. They are in good relationship together. And when you start putting the strings together, you get harmony, you get unity. But if I were to just move one finger up and one finger down, very, very, very simple. It's just a small thing, just a small switch, just a small change. And you go from harmony to what's called dissonance or, or tension. Now, the relationship of this chord isn't exactly wrong. This is actually a chord, but it, it, it's not as easy on the ears. It's not as smooth as a E major. And there are moments where you might have tension tension in your relationships and just because of one tiny little thing one difficulty that happened what some people do is they just stop playing guitar together well i don't really like the way that chord sounds i'm not really liking the tension so i'm just gonna stop playing guitar together but if you're a musician you understand 
that actually sometimes the tension can be good and it can actually be used deliberately in music because when there's tension in a relationship, when there's tension in a chord, it actually leaves your ears desiring resolve. People will deliberately put tension into a song to lead you with a desire to want to resolve. And I believe there are certain relationships in your life today that you've got some bad blood. You've got some tension and your first thing you want to do is block, stop playing guitar, and you're trying to remove that which God is trying to resolve. And I want to challenge you today in Jesus' name. I don't want to challenge you to stop removing. I want to challenge your thinking to not be so quick to remove. Within the family of God, within your relationships, I promise you, you will have bad blood, but I also promise you that there is a blessing on the other side of tension. There's a blessing on the other side of difficult relationships. And when you block people all the time, you're also blocking the blessing that God wants to bring into your life because you're never willing to deal with bad blood. And I promise you, if you want your relationships not just to survive, but to thrive, you're going to need to learn to ask God, which relationship should I be willing to resolve? Which relationship should I be trying to live in harmony, even though there's tension? You got to be willing to decipher and distinguish when does it need to be resolved, but the next type of relationship, what are my relationships to remove? I want to be very clear as a follower of Jesus, just because you love people doesn't mean you need to let them take advantage of you. There will be people in your life that you will need to remove. But I want to encourage you in the scripture how to remove someone from your life in a Christ-like manner. Read verse 17 with me. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Here's the deal. When you have bad blood with someone, the first thing you want to do is get revenge. The first thing you want to do is get revenge. You want to do your best to make sure that that they're hurt the same way they hurt you. And in the next verse right here, look what it says. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. I'm not going to lie. When I was studying this passage, I was like, Paul, can we stay on point here? Like, Paul, can we stay on track Now, first of all, you're talking about repaying anyone evil for evil, getting revenge, and now you're talking about doing what is right in the eyes of everyone. Other translations would say, be careful not to try and impress everyone. And I was really doing some study and asking God, what do these two verses have to do with each other? And this is the beauty of the Bible if you take the time to study it. I want you to put in the chat, be honest, put a five. I'll put a five in chat. Well, I won't really type it because my hands are free. But some of you, if you're being honest, you have used the art of impression to get revenge on somebody else. You've done it. Maybe you've just gotten out of a romantic relationship and you've broken up with someone and you weren't really someone that was, you know, trying to look good, trying to be healthy, trying to stay fit. But the moment they dumped you, you're in the gym six days a week because you want to make sure the next time they see you, they know that they can't no longer get a piece of this. You know what I'm saying? Like I got a six pack now. I'm looking good. The pastor pecs are real and I'm going to impress you as a form of revenge. 
I'm going to make sure that I start working harder so that I get that promotion. So next time you see me, you know, you know, you know that you're missing out on having me in your life. And I really believe that Paul is instructing us here. Don't use impressing others as a form of revenge. Don't, we read in the verse above, don't be conceited. Don't try to elevate yourself to put someone else down. I know that you've got bad blood. I know that other people have hurt you. And you want to be able to make sure that you're on top. You want to be the alpha. But I believe that Jesus is calling us today to make sure that, hey, if we need to remove a relationship from our life, remove it and let it, and let it be done. Remove it and let it be done. You don't need to wish harm in that person. We just read that actually it said bless and do not curse. Bless and do not curse. And that verse means actually to be actively seeking God's blessing in their life with a true genuine desire that, yeah, I'm going to have to remove you from my life, but I'm not going to allow my heart to be filled with bitterness. I'm going to practice forgiveness as a follower of Jesus, like the Bible instructs. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to remove and I'm going to let it be. I'm not going to repay you by trying to impress you. Look at verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I need you to grasp this because the crazy thing about this scripture is that we believe that all the Bible is inspired by God. We also believe that God is a perfect God who has ultimate authority, ultimate power, and he can do the impossible. Nothing is impossible for God. And so here we see the God of the impossible telling Paul to write a scripture where it says, if, if it is possible, God, there's no ifs with you. God, you can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, except repair certain relationships. Paul writes here, if it is possible, meaning that there are some cases where it, it won't be possible to resolve. And then you'll need to resort to remove. But look what he says. As far as it depends on you, there are some relationships in your life that you will end up having to remove. But before you're so quick to block, I would challenge you, do everything in your power first to try to resolve. Somehow as gamers, our default for relationships has become remove. You get frustrated, something difficult happens, and our first thought is remove. Block, delete, get them out of my life. I don't want to hear from them. They said one little thing, and all of a sudden, remove. And there are going to be moments, because even Paul is saying here, some relationships are not possible to resolve. But before you're so quick to jump to remove, make sure you've done everything within your power to resolve it first. Make sure that removing is a last resort, not a first option. Don't be so quick to simply remove relationships from your life, because when you block people, you might be blocking the blessing on the other side of that tension. But Paul gives permission here that even as a Christian, there will be moments that after you know, God, God I've tried everything. I, I, I've prayed. I, I've sought godly wisdom. 
I've really done my best to apologize even when it wasn't my fault. I've tried to work it through. But God, after I've done everything in my power to live at peace with everyone, God, I think it's, I think it's time to remove. And if you're new to the faith and new to church, you might have a misunderstanding that because Jesus wants you to love everyone, it also means he wants you to let people walk all over you. I've come to tell you that he doesn't. God wants you to be respected. He wants you to be treated with justice and, and fairness. And God has better in store for you than for you to continue to be manipulated, to be abused, to be lied to, to be put down, to be disrespected. There are relationships in your life that in the most Christ-like loving manner possible that you will have to remove. There reaches a point where you cannot allow certain toxic relationships to continue. And I promise that it's difficult. But I promise in this case, the blessing isn't on the other side of resolution. The blessing is on the other side of removal. And if you're not willing to make that difficult decision, you might never be able to receive the blessing that God is trying to bring in your life because the only thing that that person is doing is removing your potential. And if you won't remove them, you'll never achieve God's fullest and God's best for you. And I really believe that right now, the Holy Spirit is putting maybe one or two people in your heart that you've, you've known, you've known for quite a while that they needed to be removed. But maybe with good intentions, you are just trying to be a good Christian and to be loving and to be kind. But even there are moments where Jesus where the Bible, where Paul writes, sometimes resolutions are not possible. Sometimes it's time to remove. My wife and I went through a pretty difficult situation a few years back, and many people don't know the details. And for the sake of privacy, I'll, I'll speak vaguely but openly because I want to hopefully use my life as an encouragement to help you win in certain scenarios. My wife and I, invited a family member of ours to live in our home. They had been in a car accident, had been unable to really take care of themselves, and because we wanted to be good Christian people, we invited them to live in our home. And for about two years, I'll be honest, it was a very, very difficult situation. And I think the word bad blood would probably be an understatement. There was tension. There was manipulation going on. There were lies being told about my money being spent, but being blamed on my wife causing division. There was disrespect. There was tension going on really the entire time. But the entire time, I wanted to be a good Christian and I wanted to do everything I could, everything in my power to resolve. I wanted to resolve. I, 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 want, I wanted to be able to say that I, I did everything that I could. But after about two years of tension and much bad blood and a very tense conversation, that individual said to me, I will continue to disrespect your wife all that I want. And at that moment, I knew resolution was no longer possible. And I had to muster up the strength to say to a member of my family, not while you live in my house.
I will not pay for your food. I will not allow you to live in my house while you continue to disrespect my wife. I won't allow it anymore. And I gave that person six weeks to leave my home. And it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. You know why it was so hard? Because they're blood. Blood. And I wish it was different. I really wish it didn't end up that way. And I just wish things could have been better. But they weren't. That was the situation. But I couldn't allow my marriage to continue to be tainted. I, I couldn't allow my wife to continue to be disrespected. I couldn't allow my money to continue to be stolen. But for two years, I did everything in my power. I did everything as far as it depended on me. But like Paul says, sometimes it's, it's not possible. It's not possible. And sometimes there are relationships that you're trying to resolve that God is trying to remove. And as much as it still hurts me to this day, the only regret that I have is that I didn't do it sooner. There are relationships in your life where I pray in Jesus' name that today you will draw the line. Enough is enough. Stop trying to resolve. It's time to remove. For some of you, maybe not for all of you, but there are certain people that I pray that Jesus is bringing to your mind right now and convicting you at your core. Enough is enough. It, 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 no more should you be attempting to resolve. Now you need an action plan on attempting to remove. It, it's over. The relationship, it is not possible to resolve and it needs to be removed. But in your removal, be sure to remove like Christ. In your removal, be sure to remove like Christ. I want to read to you verse 19. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. There are moments when you are removing people from your life. Before they're out the door, you're going to want to get in the last word. You're going to want to get in the last word. But I promise you that to remove like Christ is to allow God to do the repaying. The Bible is very clear. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, for wrath is mine, says the Lord. Can I promise you, in those weeks where that individual was leaving my home, man, I wanted to get in the last word. I wanted to make sure that they knew just how wrong they were before they left. And it was difficult for me to keep my mouth shut. It was difficult. And even after they've gone, I have to just trust that God fights my battles for me. The reality is that when we get angry, what we try to do is we try to get revenge. We try to get even. But the reality is God says, I am the judge and I ultimately will deal with these people. You don't need to deal with them because I will. You remove and let God do the rest. Remove. I don't need to send any passive aggressive text messages. 
I don't need to post things on the internet so that other people know. People don't know about the situation in my life. And this person lived in my home. It's not, it's not mine to avenge. God will fight my battles. And I've come to tell you today that God will fight yours for you. He'll fight yours for you. Trust him. He will take care of you. But when you do remove, remove like Christ. Remove in the most kind, loving men that you can. But there's a thing called tough love, and it's still love. There are some people you need to remove, but when you do, I encourage you to remove like Christ. Don't get in the last word. Don't feel like you need to get even. Remove and let God do the rest. Last thing I want to talk about today is, one, it's important to understand you got to have relationships to redefine. If you want to avoid bad blood, you got to redefine your relationships. You got to understand their purpose and goal. You got to understand which relationships to resolve, which relationships to remove, but lastly, which relationships to redeem. I want to start in verse 20, the same passage. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. He is thirsty. Or give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's very, very important to understand the purpose of all of your relationships because you might have some people in your life that they just keep trying to take from you. Maybe they're people that don't have much to offer you. Maybe they are that disrespectful coworker and you want to remove that person. But God is telling you to keep them around. God, why in the world would I keep this person in my life if they keep disrespecting me? If they keep being rude to me? If they keep making fun of me because I'm a Christian? Why would I keep this person in my life? There are some relationships that are difficult, that have bad blood, that God wants you to keep and not remove for the sole purpose so that he can redeem. There's going to be people in your life that are toxic that God wants you to remove. But there's going to be some people that are really difficult to keep around. <laughs> They're really hard to allow them to continue to associate with you. But God's giving you a purpose. And the purpose of that relationship is for you to reach them, for you to love them, and ultimately for them to be redeemed, for them to come to know Jesus. Because you might be the only source of Christianity they might ever be around. That really toxic coworker that you're around that has nothing to say except rude things that normally you might want to remove. In other cases, God might want you to remove, but in this specific scenario, you feel that God wants you to redeem. God wants you to keep that person around so you can love them, so you can serve them, and you can keep on engaging with them in hopes that one day they'll come to know Jesus. Look at the verse again. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. It's very, very clear. The Paul is not talking about a friend of yours that is disrespecting you. No, no, no. This is very blatantly a guy that's not your friend, okay? <laughs> when we're identifying the relationships here, this is not a mutual relationship. This is not a mentee relationship. He's not teaching me, but it is a mentor relationship where the purpose of the whole relationship is for you to give to them. 
the whole purpose. You're not getting anything out of it. You're just giving to them. Well, why in the world would I keep on feeding this guy? What is the purpose? Why should I feed? You should continue to feed so God can redeem. By your acts of kindness, by your love, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through your life, is encountering that person. Keep the relationship simply for the purpose for God to redeem. It says, if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head? My goodness gracious. You're, always, you're reading this scripture and all of a sudden it's like, love people, live in harmony, be kind to one another. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Now all of a sudden, put fire and coal on his, on his head? Paul, Paul, what are we playing, rust? Like one minute we were talking, the next you put an ax in my face. Like, what's going on here? Like, I don't understand how we got, like this got dark real quick. <laughs> like this got dark really, really quick. Again, you got to understand the context. You got to understand the purpose. Because if you understand what this is symbolically meaning, that by doing this, you'll heap burning coals on their head. I want to bring you all the way back to the original meaning, Proverbs 25 in the Old Testament, where essentially Paul is really quoting this scripture. Paul 25, 21, 22. It says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink again. For you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. And I want to encourage you really what this scripture is meaning. This is going back all the way back to the Proverbs, even to the culture of the Egyptians, where this phrase meant that by your loving actions, you were burning a memory in their mind that was cutting them to the core. The fire represents that things are, they are refined, changed, transformed in the fire. And that by you being kind, loving, and respectful to them, even though they're your enemy and they're disrespecting you, that through your life, God might be able to turn them from enemy into friend. Look at Proverbs 15, one says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Maybe you've been in a heated conversation with someone and you went yelling at them. You were angry, you were upset, and that person just responded to you gently, kindly, and patiently. And it left you feeling like, oh, well, I mean, all right, well, I mean, I didn't expect you to be so nice. Like, maybe I should, maybe I should calm down. Maybe you've been on the other side of it where you and your spouse have been in a heated argument and you've just responded with a loving, kind word, even though they were, their behavior was unacceptable. And all of a sudden now they've been convicted to the core to realize I should probably stop being the way that I'm being. A soft answer turns away wrath. And I believe that in this part of the scripture, Paul is teaching us there will be some relationships that sometimes you would remove because they're difficult, sometimes toxic, but in this scenario, God wants you to keep them, feed them to redeem them. And by your life, by your testimony, by your love, God might be able to turn them from enemy to friend. How many times have you seen in this church where trolls come in with bad intentions and we treat them with love and respect? And now here they are, some of them several years later in the discord following Jesus. Aren't you glad we didn't? so quickly remove them 
Aren't you glad that we decided to be like Christ and to understand that there are some relationships that we do need to resolve? Don't be so quick to remove. But other times you need to stop resolving and start removing. But there are some certain cases, relationships with bad blood, frustrating individuals in your life that God's going to tell you to keep them, not because their behavior is okay, but because God through your life and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants to redeem them. And I pray in Jesus' name that today you'll do an audit of all of your relationships. Put them in the proper category. Is it a mentor relationship, a mentee, or a mutual relationship? Because if you don't properly identify those, I promise you, you will always end up with bad blood. What relationships have you already removed or keep trying to remove that God is trying to resolve? Change your strategy. What relationships have you been trying to resolve that God's trying to remove? But what relationships are difficult in your life? You've got an enemy, and God wants you to feed so he can redeem. And I pray in Jesus' name that today you will ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you which is which. These are difficult things to talk about and difficult things to execute on. And I want to encourage you. Because here at God's Squad Church, we, we want to help you win. And I would challenge you and encourage you. Maybe some of you want to maybe set up a time to talk with one of our pastors to maybe talk through how can we navigate resolving a difficult relationship or how can I work through removing a difficult relationship. We'd love to encourage you. I want to encourage you next week, we're going to have something called God Talk where we're going to have six of us on camera talking about relationships and answering your specific questions. There's going to be a link in the chat. If you're watching on YouTube in the description below, head to our website, ask any and all questions that you have revolving relationships we want to do our best through God's word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to help you to win. And what I want to do is I, I want to pray for you because I know firsthand that this is so difficult to do. One, to decipher which one is which, but especially if you need to remove relationships. And I want to pray that God will give you wisdom, that God will give you strength to, to be able to do what you don't want to do to resolve a relationship you wish you could remove and to do what you wish you didn't have to do to remove a relationship you wish you could resolve. We pray for us. God, I just ask you today on behalf of our community and we ask you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, God, first and foremost, help us to do an audit of all of our relationships and God, help us to identify which ones are which to avoid bad blood from confusion or a lack of expectation. But ultimately, God, we pray that you would speak to us about specific relationships that maybe we've been trying to remove, that God, you're designed that we would resolve. God, maybe today, I pray in Jesus' name, some of us would have to go through our block list. We've blocked other people even inside of our church and speak to us and reveal to us, yeah, that thing I blocked him for, if I'm being honest, it probably really wasn't that big of a deal. And I should have been trying to resolve, but instead I defaulted to remove. I pray for some of us, maybe today we'll clean up our block list a little bit. Maybe we'd be so humble even to be willing to apologize. Maybe that's the first step to resolve. Maybe there's some people, God, that you want us to forgive. And we need to resolve certain relationships that we've been holding bitterness 
for years. God, as we've been forgiven, as we've freely been forgiven, may we forgive others. But God, I pray that you would give strength to some today that they've been trying to resolve a relationship that God, you want them to remove. And I know firsthand how difficult it is, especially when it's family. But God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would give them wisdom, give them strength, give them boldness. But God, lastly, I pray that you would give us unconditional love and patience for those people that their behavior blatantly is unacceptable. And in the flesh, we'd like to be able to remove them. But God, you want us to keep them around as a testimony, as a witness, so that the more we feed, the more you can redeem. And I pray, Holy Spirit, to give us the wisdom to discern which is which and help us to know, God, that you're with us, that you're with us. But I pray that we would know in order to win our relationships, we've got to make some tough choices. And we pray you be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I hope you've been encouraged by our message today, but I want you also to know that relationships are not just important between you and people. They're even more important between you and God. And I believe that 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Why? Because God had a relationship to redeem. You see, you and I maybe have never met. Maybe you're tuning on right now for the very first time. We might play different games, might live in different states, but I promise you we have one, two things in common. That we are both so unconditionally loved by God. God has a purpose for you. He cares for you more than you could ever imagine. But I also know that you and I have another thing in common. That we've made mistakes. We've fallen short. The Bible would call it sin. And sin separated our relationship with God. But God loved you so much that he didn't want you and I to face the wrath that is to come for sin against the holy God. He loved you too much to let you pay the price. So we sent Jesus Christ down to this earth to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for you, to pay the price for your sins, and three days later rose from the grave, showcasing that he is God. Why? So that we could be redeemed and our relationship between man and God could once and for all be resolved. And I promise you, no matter who you are, what you've done, no matter what you've been through, no matter how many times you've done it, I promise you that your life is not too far gone, that God can't save you, that God can't love you, and that God can't redeem you. And the Bible says that all who will simply believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that they too can be redeemed. That today, you don't have to keep living the way you've been living. That void that's in your heart, that sinful behavior that's only led you to destruction, or the negative relationships in your life that you think this is all there is to it, I promise you, there is a perfect heavenly Father who wants to have relationship with you today. And today, His arms are stretched out towards you, desiring for you to say yes, to have relationship with Him, and to receive eternity in heaven. And today, if that's you, very, very simply, I want to give you opportunity for your relationship with God to be resolved so that you and God can be in harmony. So you can become a child of God. And it's very, very simple. 
but you need to make a decision in your heart that you want to give your life to follow Jesus, that you want to say yes, to put your trust in Christ. I can't do it for you. And we love and respect you even if you say no, but I pray that some of you are here. And if that's you and you want to say yes, I challenge you to pray this prayer with me as you make a decision to say yes to Jesus. Repeat these words after me. God, I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me to redeem me and to resolve our relationship. I invite you, God, to be my Lord and the Savior of my life. And from today forward, I commit my life to loving you and to serving you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, will you put the Jesus hype in the chat and congratulate those that are giving their lives to follow Jesus? Praise God. Come on, somebody. Absolutely incredible. Praise God for all those people that are just accepting Jesus Christ for the first time in their lives, or maybe you just rededicated your life. Hey, I want you to do something bold right now. If you just made a decision just now to redeem your relationship, to restore your relationship with Jesus Christ, or you just accepted him for the first time in your lives, I want you to put a yes in the chat. Put, put, put a yes in the chat. If you just made that decision, it's an important decision. I promise you, you are not going to regret. And hey, if you did just accept Jesus Christ, whether it's right now, you're watching a VOD, you're watching on YouTube, if you could do me a favor, and, and click on the link that's uh, the next level link. Somebody can put it in the chat right now and that will bring you to a form that we ask you to fill out with as much information as you feel comfortable giving. This will give us a better way to be able to answer your questions and to be able to connect with you because a lot of people, they just made this, this, this decision. They know it's important, but they don't know where to go next. They don't know where to start reading in the Bible. They don't know how to pray maybe. Maybe you've been having questions about this baptism thing. Why, why do people get dunked in water? Why why are they raised? It doesn't even make sense to me. We would love to be able to answer those questions for you. And so please don't hesitate to fill out that form so that we can connect with you as you just accepted Jesus Christ. And congratulations once again to you guys that just did that. And hey guys, this is the reason why we do all that we do here at God Squad Church. We see people coming to know Jesus Christ every single week. We see people all around the world who are coming into the stream and hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's because of your faithfulness and generosity that we're able to do these things. And if you would like to take part in God Squad Church and help us in this mission, there's multiple safe and secure ways that you can give to God Squad Church. You can go into the panels below and click on the give link. You can also go to our website and you can customize it there to any way that is fit for you that you feel comfortable with. And then finally, you can also use text to give by texting any amount to the number 84 three two one but no matter how many how how you're giving we thank you so much for your faithfulness and every penny counts <laughs>